0: It's Saturday, July 24th, Now I was the middle of three boys, and we were each 20 months apart. So as you can imagine, to make our distinctive marks on the world, we each needed to create some space. We wanted to stand out. When we were younger, we fought a lot. Some of it was playful and fun. Some was more like combat. <laughs> yeah, that means fists and nosebleeds. The way it worked with the three of us was that someone was always working to create an alliance. You see, two could always win against one. Looking back on it now, it seems silly, but at the time it seemed the only way. As we turn to the next chapter of the book of Numbers, we find an immense family conflict opening up. With time on their hands, fights were bound to emerge The children of Israel really did act like children, siblings, fighting with each other for position and power. Here's how it got started. This is Numbers chapter sixteen, verse one to four. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly, well-known men. They assembled together against Moses and against Aaron, and they said to them, You have gone too far. For in the congregation, all of the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Now, we are told from the start that the conflict started with a man named Korah. He wasn't a nobody. We are told that he is from the tribe of Levi. Now, that means he is one of Moses' own relatives. Yes, this rebellion began with a family dispute. This reminds us of how Genesis begins after the fall. Cain and Abel are living their lives, but below the surface for Cain, there's competition for significance and for supremacy. And the point comes in which Cain can see no other way to the top than eliminating the competition. This story is repeated over and over again in the book of Genesis. Esau and Jacob do the same. Except their conflict begins in the womb. Even before they are born, they are fighting over who will be first. Later, we find them fighting over who would inherit the family blessing, who will succeed in life and gain the father's endorsement. Now, you would think Jacob, having lived this story himself, would go to great lengths to prevent repeating it. But he favors his son Joseph setting up a whole other conflict between Joseph and his brothers. And that's what fills much of the end of the book of Genesis. As it turns out, the story my brothers and I lived is as old as humanity. That is why we should expect it to arise again and again. Now for Korah, here was the rub. Moses, his relative, was not only the leader... But it appears that Moses gave the priesthood to his particular branch of the family, to Aaron his brother. So it looks like the leadership of all of Israel is concentrated in Moses' nuclear family. It just doesn't seem fair. Now of course it was the Lord that chose Moses to be, I'm sorry, Aaron to be the high priest, and Aaron's family to be the priesthood. But to Korah, it all reeks of nepotism, a misuse of power by Moses. Now, here's the thing about Korah. Part of what he says is right. All Israel is holy. Any family could become priests for the people, because God has already stated that Israel is a kingdom of priests. Now, as we read the story, there's so much sorting out to do. First, there's the family part. Often there's such envy in families. Most of us have experienced this growing up. In no place has it been clearer to me than when an inheritance is given. Children receive the gifts of their parents, but what seems like a simple act can destroy a family wreaking havoc for the next generation in the process. If the distributions are not exactly the same, well then problems can easily arise. It's difficult for parents to do this well, and even more difficult for children to take it well. Again, we seem to be always comparing our fate with that of our siblings. One incident in my family stands out. On one particular day, my younger brother and I got into an immense fight. My dad could see it all playing out, so he tied our arms together with a piece of rope and he told us, You're going to learn how to get along. I want you to see how you are joined together, so I'm I'm going to tie you together for the afternoon. Now, of course, we could easily untie the rope, but he promised that if we did, he would tie us together again. And then, for an even longer period of time, he was trying to show us that we were bound up together, whether we liked it or not. And this was true of Moses with Korah, and ultimately with all Israel. This is a lesson we desperately need to learn. We may be living separate stories. Indeed, we are. Each of us has to run our own individual race. But we're joined to each other, and we're bonded together by the cords of God's love for us. Indeed, in Christ, God has formed us into his new family. And that means when one part suffers while the other parts will suffer with it. That when one part rejoices, all can enter into that joy. So how can we learn to walk in this peace knowing that we're perfectly loved by our Heavenly Father in Christ? Let's pray together. Lord, as we go through the day, we need the reminder of the intimate connection we have with you so that we can remember that we belong to each other. Lord, each of us has a streak of independence running right through our hearts. Forgive us and teach us your way of peace that we might walk together in a way that honors what Jesus has done at the cross to make us one. For we pray in his name, amen.